Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Football. Energy drinks. Beer. More football. Welcome to Bink at Night. Final hour. Here on Big at Night, 610 Sports Radio, the Odyssey app. However you choose to listen, we appreciate you listening. Kristen Ocero, Grant Nicholson, talking more sports for one more hour. Major League Baseball All-Star Game right now in the third inning. American League is down to the National League, 2-0. Joe Musgrove from the Padres, who I saw pitch in person when I when I was in San Diego a month and a half ago. Um, he's up on the mound right now pitching. He was he was money when uh when I saw him play pitch against the Rockies. He was amazing. This kid can uh he he can he can he can throw. Might might help the Padres win a World Series. We'll see. I haven't checked the standings since then. They were like at the top of their of their uh division. They might not be anymore. I don't know. So I want to get back into the uh, into the Royals talk here. So a couple weeks ago, I filled in for Bink, and uh, I did like thirty five minutes on the drive because Royals game Royals played a matinee game in the, on a Thursday, and so I filled in and I talked about how uh, there was a piece of audio that Mike that was from Mike Matheny. He had. Talked to Dusty and Bink, who were uh, filling in for the guys on the drive. And he had this to say about leadership in that Royals clubhouse. Trying to always push these guys outside of their comfort zone. We're trying to have more meetings that are player-led, that these guys take take ownership. And with that ownership comes some accountability, too. And so uh, the more of those voices that we get, um, especially the ones that are just truly sold out what's best for this team. This isn't about me. And, and that's, the, that's probably the differentiator um, because the guys sniff this stuff out. When you play 162 games in 180 days, you're not fooling anybody. Uh, your, your motives and your intents are going to be real obvious by how you go about your business. And we've got a number of guys in here that go about it really well and should have a better voice. And part of that is just uh, equipping them but also um, pushing them a little bit uh, to use their voice a little bit more in that clubhouse. And I didn't like him saying that, not specifically because like, I didn't think it was true or anything. I just didn't like the idea of the manager going out and 
kind of letting us know that there's some problems with leadership in his in his clubhouse. There's some things that you just don't tell people. Some things that's part of your business you just don't tell people. And that to me was one of those things where it's like, uh, I don't know if I tell the public about that. Because like if a player would have said that, well, there'd have been a lot of criticism for that player. Uh, I'm sure that Sam Mellinger, the communications guy up there, former uh, writer for the Star, would have been like, hey, man, don't, don't say that, man. Because he knows the game. Anybody who works in this industry knows the game. Whenever you've got a player who is giving too much of the goods, too much of the inner workings, you don't want that. You do not want a player giving out that info like that. I know the Chiefs are very much like that. The Chiefs, they are very, very strong with their media training. They tell their players, hey, man, just don't give it. Have a poker face. Just say nothing. Act like it's interrogation with the police. You don't know nothing. You don't know who this person is. You ain't never seen them before. You was at home. Your girl can vouch for you. That's what they tell these guys whenever they get any sort of media training. They tell them to give up nothing. And I respect that because you know how we are in the media. As soon as we find the littlest thing, we latch on to it. And that's what I think many of us did here. And that was because we didn't know the storm that was about to happen because of the trip to Toronto. We didn't think about it. We didn't look at the schedule. We didn't know that they were going to go to Toronto. It wasn't until we saw the lineup for the Omaha Storm Chasers, like a couple days before, and like half their lineup was guys who were like double-A players. So like all their star players were not in the lineup. It's like, okay, that's weird. Usually when a bunch of players, usually when like one of your star players is not in the lineup and you're a minor league team and he's not listed on the injury report, it means that in all likelihood is going to get called up. So we saw like half their team go up. It's like, okay, these guys are probably going to the Royals. Why would they go to the Royals? We checked the schedule. Oh, they're going to Toronto. They'll probably have a bunch of players who aren't vaccinated. And we didn't really think about that until we saw that lineup there. And then once that happened, once Witt said what he said and got in trouble, things were really, really awkward there in that clubhouse. We had to really kind of ask questions. Are these young guys ready? This is going to be terrible. They're going to go to Toronto and they're just getting mopped all over the Rogers Center. And they went out there and they had some fight in them. And not only did they have some fight in them, and they went out there and they tried their best. They won that first game, lost the next three, but they they won that first game. (laughs) But, like, just listen to Mike Matheny describe that clubhouse, describe those guys when they were out there playing and and looking, you know, like, like trusting each other, believing in each other, like playing together with some sort of motivation. Yeah, I think it, it can be, but we're watching uh, guys also just have more of their um, friends around too, right? I mean, whenever whatever environment you're in, you're if you're with people that you're comfortable with, you got an opportunity to be a little bit more of yourself, and that's what we want them to be, not something uh, besides who they normally are. And but you can do that when you're, you're around people that you've done that before with, and so we're, we're seeing them go out and compete and play the game and learn in the league. And I always say that's kind of like drinking from a fire hose when you just get introduced into the league because there, there's so much information. There's such great talent uh, that has great information against you as well. 
Um, but these guys are they're, they're embracing it and they're having fun and they're talking about the game. Uh, that's one of the things that I've enjoyed the most is I just see that these guys aren't, uh, they're not hindered um, and, and they haven't been suppressed. I'm proud of our veteran group for that because there have been years it's been a while when that was really the case, but a veteran player would say, hey, man, you just sit there in your locker. You should, you'd be seen, not heard for a while. And, you know, that that's just a tough place to break into the league. These guys are allowing these players, to, these young guys, to come in and have a voice and to, to, to be themselves and have a personality. But they're more likely to do that when, when they're together. Uh, that's just the, the truth of it. And uh, now we're seeing this young group really kind of, embrace this opportunity and uh, make the most of it. So it makes you wonder, why would you bring those guys back? I mean, obviously they got to bring them back, but like, wouldn't it be best if maybe you just started shipping those guys out? The, the guys, the older veteran guys who weren't, or were kind of impeding the leadership of these younger players. I said, Matheny came out there and I didn't like it at the time. But he came out there and said, hey, we are lacking leadership from our young players. The guys who are going to be the key players for that hypothetical 2024 run that a lot of people think this probably this team's probably going to be able to be on if we get the development that that we need right now. Then maybe you should get some of these guys out of the way so that those young guys can have the opportunity to flourish. Dayton Moore, president of the Royals. Talked about how Wit will be, you know, should be received going back into that clubhouse and about the the overall feeling of what he said last week. When we resume on Friday in Kansas City, how do you hope the ten players who didn't come to Toronto will be received? Well, I think inside the inside the clubhouse and with the organization. I mean, we've we've dealt with this. We've known this day, this situation was on the horizon, and and like I said before, we. We did everything we could to just try to educate everybody and, and prepare all different areas and, and people for for this situation. And, you know, the fans have a right to react however they see fit. I mean, I'm not going to ever tell anybody how they should respond or, or what have you. But uh, I, I do know this, that, that Kansas City is uh, a very forgiving and loving community. And um, as long as players are giving their best effort and people are, are trying their absolute best, I mean, I think we all appreciate that. But, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, that's, that's what I would say, Ryan. That, that's what I believe. And, you know, there's probably certain situations that you know, maybe could have and should have been, been handled a little differently. But, uh, you know, we learn from it and we move on. And that's the beauty of life. And, and that's what, uh, you know, we're all trying to do in all aspects of our journey is, is just try to get better every single day, learn from our mistakes and uh, and move on. And, and, you know, I know that's what we're prepared to do as an organization. I think a lot of the things that we went through this year on the field, off the field, truthfully, is preparing us for uh, great success uh, in the future, and, and that's how I look at it, and, and that's how I've always looked at it. And then Royals general manager J.J. Piccolo was asked about whether or not he thinks there's going to be some fracturing in that clubhouse now that you have a subset of players who did not travel with the team, made their own personal decisions, and some of those players in that Royals clubhouse who did make the decisions they needed to go play in Toronto didn't like it. 
Uh, not, not at all, really. I mean, we've had discussions with a lot of players, uh, players who were vaccinated, players that were not vaccinated. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, they're, they're teammates. They respect each other. Uh, while it may have been surprising to the public how many guys we had internally, you know, those discussions have been going on for, for some time. So we don't have any concern uh, in, in the, the cohesiveness of that, of that clubhouse. Uh, because a lot of those discussions happened prior to the announcement on Wednesday of our 10 players. So um, we feel confident that there's not going to be a fractured clubhouse. Maybe. They might be right. These guys know more than we do, but it very much, at least from our perspective, seemed like there's some cracks in the foundation there. And and I, I, I think it's best for both parties. I think it's best for the veteran guys who were part of that crew that didn't travel with the team that frankly are not going to be part of that team's future, they should probably be moved. They should they should be left to go somewhere else where they have a chance, a better opportunity to compete right now, and the team should go all in on the youth movement there. I think that's best for both parties there. And here's the thing, man. I understand where Dayton Moore is coming from, saying that we're very forgiving here in Kansas City, and we'll get over it. And certainly there will be people that will absolutely forgive Whit Merrifield because of all the great things he's done the last few years, even though it hasn't led to very many wins. I'll say this, man. We still hate Tony Gonzalez because of what he said about his career being made in Atlanta. We, I mean, look, we we hated, uh, what's his name? <laughs> uh, the kicker, um, Lynn Elliott. We hated that man up until the Chiefs won a playoff game with Patrick Mahomes and went to the conference championship game. We hated that man for two and a half decades, almost two and a half decades because of what happened there. You think we're not going to hate Whit Merrifield for saying he's not going to get vaccinated for his teammates? Yeah, you're crazy about this. Certainly some people will, will, will forgive him or whatever because they agree with his stance. But there's a lot of people out there that won't forgive him for a while for what he did. I mean, I remember people hated Mike Sweeney for years because he was getting paid a lot of money and the team wasn't winning. So there could be some irrational hatred for players out there. And I certainly don't think that right now, while the, while the wound is fresh, that we're just going to be able to easily put aside what Whit Merrifield said and just get back to cheering for him just because he's back with the team. I don't, that's, that's usually not how forgiveness works in, in this situation. Coming up next, I tell you why the Chiefs have done a very good job of not deviating from their plan this offseason. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Back in here on Big at Night, 610 Sports Radio, the Odyssey app, Chris Inocero, Grant Nicholson. Going to be a really interesting next few weeks. Training camp coverage starting real soon next week here on uh, 610 Sports Radio. I think Cody and Gold will be doing shows live from training camp. Every day that it's going on there. Uh, I know Dusty and Bink are going to be doing shows on Saturdays out there at training camp. I mean, we we got it covered wall-to-wall. You should be listening to us all throughout training camp as we are the official broadcast, official broadcast partners uh, with Kansas City Chiefs. So make sure you keep it locked in here. The quarterbacks, rookies, and certain injured players will be reporting on Friday to St. Joe and then... Next Tuesday, you're going to have veterans reporting. Certainly, we'll be talking about the various get-ups and uh, crazy entrances that these guys will be making up there at Mo West. So that'll be really interesting to check out. Certainly, we'll be uh, we'll probably see those on on the Twitter machine there. Um, I do want to get back into the Orlando Brown Jr. conversation because I think it really kind of showcases a really interesting. Uh, approached by the Kansas City Chiefs this offseason. If you remember two years ago, after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, two summers ago, they were in a position where they were trying to retain as much talent as possible from that championship. So they were going out there and they were spending money. They were doing whatever they could to lock people up. They spent money. I mean, they they gave Patrick Mahomes his 10-year, $503 million contract. They spent... Uh, a ton of money to keep Chris Jones here because certainly I think all of us were certain that Chris Jones was going to leave after the the 2019 season, and he ends up staying. They he finally he got his money. Everyone was happy, so it, it was it was it was a nice ending to the story there. Um, I believe Travis Kelsey got money too that off season. Like there was a lot of guys that were getting money handed out, and everybody's like, "Oh, the Chiefs have found they're found a way to hack the the salary cap." and Oh my God, I can't believe they kept all their players. And then last year, they kind of stood pat, didn't make any crazy moves. Um, a lot of people were wondering, oh, are they going to make a move to improve their secondary? They're going to get another pass rusher, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And they they really kind of stood pat. They were pretty confident in what they what they were doing. And they had problems, they had problems last season. They did make a couple big moves there, you know, going out and paying big money on Tooney and making the trade for uh, Orlando Brown Jr., but they weren't quite 
passing out the big dollars like they had before. Lando Brown Jr. didn't get a, a, a big extension or, or anything. They were kind of waiting on that. And the question going into the offseason is, what are they going to do about pass rusher? What are they going to do about Tyreek Hill? Because it was very obvious that you didn't want Tyreek Hill just playing out the last year of his contract. What are you going to do about Orlando Brown Jr.? And the Chiefs basically said, we're not spending big money. They were linked to a lot of big money, or at least decent money, players, uh, free agents in, in the offseason. They were linked to a lot of different edge rushers. Chandler Jones, Vaughn Miller, Randy Gregory, all these different names that were thrown out there as possible candidates. Jadevian Clowney, all these names thrown out there that they could possibly bring in. And they chose instead to draft a guy at 30th overall because they were like, we we can't afford to go out here and spend 12, 13, 14 million dollars uh, on a on a veteran edge rusher to go opposite of Frank Clark because we're already paying him a ton of money. He's making like fifteen million dollars, I think, this coming season, which is a big pay cut from like the twenty six or whatever he's supposed to make. So they 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 cut down his salary, but still he's making like fifteen this year. So it's a ton of money that he's 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 on the hook for. They can't they couldn't really afford to go out there and spend money on another big edge rusher. Um, not only that, but you also have to pay twenty nine million dollars to Chris Jones this year. Uh, an incredibly high amount of money for an interior edge rusher. Uh, I mean, interior rusher and Patrick Mahomes money kicks in. And so they had to make a, they had to make some tough decisions. Tyreek Hill, they were thinking they were going to be able to get that deal done. Then the Devonte Adams trade happened and Devonte Adams then signs a massive market changing deal. And that put pressure on the Chiefs. We all knew it at that point. We knew it when Christian Kirk signed his four-year, $84 million contract to go play for the Jaguars, that that was a market-changing contract. And so that meant that the Chiefs were probably going to have to spend more money on Tyreek Hill than they anticipated. Not only that, but you expected that they were probably going to have to pay Orlando Brown Jr. top money for his position. It was very much not a secret that he wanted the highest uh, amount of money that a, a left tackle's been paid. He wanted more than Trent Williams' money. And I think all of us here in Kansas City were kind of hoping that he, he wasn't going to be about that and he was just going to be cool with getting a, a, a really nice offer, but maybe not $20 million a year type money. We were hoping that was going to be the case, but we all knew that, that probably wasn't going to be it. And the Chiefs had the option. Do we stick to our guns or do we go out there and acquiesce to the man's of, of good players because we want to keep them in the case of Tyreek Hill, let him walk. They traded him. Hey, well, let him walk. They traded him. They, they sent him to Miami, got five picks out of it, which is a crazy haul. They got a, an amazing haul better than what the, uh, than, than, than what the Packers got for Devonte Adams, which is crazy. Um, Cause Devonte is better than Tyreek, but, they still got an incredible offer for him. And on top of that, they they were able to clear that money off of their off of their cap. Now they don't have to pay him the the 20 plus million dollars he was wanting. Then on top of that, they had a decision about what they wanted to do with Orlando Brown Jr. And they could have overpaid him. Because let's be honest here, him making 23, 24, 25 million dollars a year on average is ridiculous. He if someone else wants to pay that cool. 
if I'm the Chiefs, there's no way in hell I would pay him that money. And I respect his 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 opinion on his own abilities. If you believe you're worth that money and someone else is willing to pay you to that much money to go play for them, then so be it. That's what your value is. But in the Chiefs' case, they could have easily said, they could have easily acquiesced to the demands. And instead, they were like, no, we're not going to let you go out here and and – uh, dictate what we do. Nate Taylor, earlier this week, talked about the Chiefs' approach to these negotiations with Orlando Brown Jr. I think Chiefs fans need to understand this. The Chiefs don't feel pressure. Okay, They have Orlando Brown on a pretty moderate one-year contract. And if it doesn't work out, then yeah, you could always draft somebody, you could always trade for the next person. There are other avenues available to them, even if you don't think Orlando Brown is the long-term solution. For Orlando Brown, you have you have essentially five weeks to ensure yourself that you are Patrick Mahomes' left tackle. However it takes to figure that out, to get that accomplished, to get the money that you feel like is fair and that you can grow into and get better at the position, you have five weeks to figure that out. And then Jeffrey Chidea talked about how the Chiefs have basically made a statement that they're not going to go out and overpay players that they don't think are worth the kind of money, or they at least are not going to be willing to pay players a certain kind of money that's going to affect their roster in a negative way. They are sending a message here, and just because you want top-of-the-market money doesn't mean you're going to get it from the Kansas City Chiefs. And look, if they had given Orlando Brown that kind of money that he wanted, top left tackle money, $25 million a year range, it would have sent a horrible message to this locker room with the guys you just mentioned already leaving without getting paid. I think the statement here by the Chiefs is that they want to reset a little bit here. They're not as desperate as they were uh, a couple years ago when they went out and got Orlando Brown trying to rebuild that offensive line. They've won a championship with Patrick Mahomes. They want their finances to be right. And quite as it's kept, Andrew, there was a lot of dissension last year with this team when they started slow and guys were talking about contracts. They want to get back to good chemistry. They want to get back to guys who want to be here. And that starts with Orlando Brown Jr.'s contract being dealt with in a much different way. And I support that mindset. I believe that any team in sports who cares about their image, cares about the, the value, the prestige of playing there should always prioritize player keeping players that want to be there. If you got a guy that says, I don't want to be here because you're not paying me what I think I'm worth, fine. You know, if, we're, if you're not willing to pay him that much, then don't hold him hostage. Let him go. They, the, the Chiefs easily could have called Tyreek Hill's bluff because there were reports that he was willing to sit out the year uh, if he wasn't going to get a new contract. The, the Chiefs easily could have said, hey, man, you want to waste a year of your prime and not playing? Then so be it. Waste a year of your prime not playing. They could have easily done that. Instead, they were like, nope, we're going to send you down to South Beach. And then in the case of Orlando Brown Jr., like, I'm sure they're more than willing to be like, hey, if you think you're worth that kind of money, then then so be it. You know, you want to hold out, you want to sit out, fine. We don't care. We franchise tagged you because we want you here, but and, and we know you want to be here, but if you're going to sit there and fight us over it, then so be it. I wouldn't be shocked if the Chiefs look to try to make a move if this became a bigger issue. If he signs his franchise tag, they could look to try to make a move with him, or they could just... I mean, I, I, I think at this point all the options are on the table. They could franchise them next year and say, hey, play next year on 19.9 or whatever it is, a uh, million dollars, 
And if you choose not to, then you just waste a year of your prime. The Chiefs, I think, are in a very strong position. But the thing that I appreciate about them is that they've shown that they are not going to pay too much for players. They, we've seen teams in the past do that. We've seen, I think the Bills probably overpaid for Von Miller, though I, they can get out of it after a couple of years. But I, I think that they, they, the kind of money that he's getting, he may not ever live up to the value of that contract. And generally in free agency, you're going to end up having to overpay guys anyways. I respect the fact that the Chiefs stuck to their guns this offseason and said, if we don't think you're worth that kind of money, then we're just not going to keep you around. So uh, I, I very much like how they handled this situation, and I, I hope that they keep this approach going, especially as the cab number for Patrick Mahomes creeps up because it's only going to make it harder for them to retain a lot of these guys. And it's nice that you guys, you got guys like Kelsey who aren't as motivated about finances. That's cool. You know, he he stated earlier, uh, like a month or two ago, that, you know, he doesn't really care quite as much about the financials after George Kittle came out and said he should be paid much more than he's being paid. Uh, look, he's he's happy. He's making a lot of money, but he's happy to be on a winner, especially as he's you know approaching his mid-30s now. And as long as he keeps producing, this team's going to go out there and keep giving him a ton of opportunities to be great. And I, I, I really – it's nice to have guys like that on your team. You want guys that want to be here, and it's nice that he wants to be here. And I think the Chiefs will always prioritize that. If something happens with Juju and Juju doesn't want to be here, he ain't going to be here. Same thing with MVS, same thing with Cole, et cetera, et cetera. This team is going to make sure that they prioritize themselves first, and I appreciate that. Coming up next, I tell you why the whole Tyree Kill situation was overblown this week. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Back in here on Bank at Night, 610 Sports Radio, the Odyssey app, Kirsten Lucero and Grant Nicholson. American League took the lead in the all-star game. They're up three, two right now over the national league. Games went pretty decent. I, I, I said this earlier in the show in the beginning of the last hour, the major league baseball all-star game is the best in terms of quality of all of the all-star games better than the pro bowl pro bowls parody of football. They'd be better off playing flag football. The uh, the the NBA All Star Game. They don't really try until like the fourth quarter. These they're just throwing up alley oops and just trying to do crazy dunks. They should have done the night before in the dunk contest. So it's 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 nice to see team like these players actually like try. You know, they, it, it's it's good to see them go out there and like seriously want to to play good in, a, in an All Star game. Even though at the same time it's Major League Baseball, and because the popularity as far as the national appeal is waning, uh, you don't really know a lot of these players unless you're watching Sports Center all the time or you're like a diehard baseball fan. So, I want to get into this uh, this Tyreek Hill situation again. Tyreek Hill has a, I mean, just great marketing strategy with this podcast it needed to be said and and he's been spilling a lot of tea about the Chiefs said some controversial things I uh, said that you know is he'd much rather have Tua Tonga Vailoa throwing him footballs in his 
breadbasket, as he said, instead of throwing him footballs down the field. You know, I don't believe him. I think he's just saying that so that he can hype up his. I mean, seriously, like Tyreek Hill's trying to hype up. He's a better teammate than Whit Merrifield is because he's really trying to hi- tell us that he believes that his quarterback is great. He's hyping up to a way more than two I think has ever been hyped up in his career. But seriously, like he said a lot of really interesting things on this podcast, and he had this to say about uh, the team's loss to the uh, to the Buffalo Bills last season. Those guys are professional athletes just like we are professional athletes. Those guys grind just like we we grind, you know. So, like, a lot of things didn't see eye to eye in the building. And, you know, a lot of people, were, I just don't want to say, we're going through some things, you know. So, they beat our ass. They beat our ass, man. They beat our ass, dog. And it was very, it was very embarrassing. And then he also talked about uh, Eric Bieniemy and his impact on helping to get the team back on track after a rough start to the season. One of the moments, man, where like our offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, man, Eric Bieniemy, like he's a he's a madman, dog. He like he was cussing us out all week, mm-hmm. saying these MFs, y'all let these MFs come in here and whoop y'all like that. Like, come on, man, y'all gotta have some respect on y'all name in this building, this in this organization and stuff like that, and like. I can I can just sense in the guys' eyes and hearts, and I can I just felt the energy. Like guys, like really took that mm-hmm. and like ran with it the whole week. Like mm-hmm. practice was perfect, no drops. Mm-hmm. Like during the whole week, you know, defense was flying around. Everybody was doing what they were supposed to do. You know what I'm saying? And, and we all were on the same page. You know, so we go out and, and we play, man, and we playing for each other. You know, 13 seconds to go, man. It's do or die. And I like that. I love that attitude there from Eric Bieniemy, man. A lot of Eric Bieniemy slander has come out this offseason. Uh, from that blog post with no sources going out there and slandering Eric Bieniemy to LaShawn McCoy uh, slandering Eric Bieniemy because he was pissed about being sat late in the season when they won the Super Bowl. Look, man, we, we make too much out of a few details we're given, but I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now. There's a ton of teams out there in sports that have had issues with players, that have had disagreements. And it's just a natural part of what happens when you are in a competitive workplace where guys are really talented, have big egos, and want to get the best out of each other. You know, we watched those Lakers teams 20 years ago win titles and the top two stars on the team, Shaq and Kobe, hated each other the entire time. You know, we watched the Yankees win a, a World Series in 09. Uh, Alex Rodriguez and, and, and Derek Jeter did not like each other. We've seen a lot of teams go out there and play with each other and had star players not see eye to eye or just not like each other at all. And it's fine. I don't know. I, I don't know if, you ever, if y'all ever watched like the Mythbusters show. Apparently, the two guys on that show did not like each other at all. But it was a really great show that ran for like, I think they did it together for like oh, 15 years or something like that. But they did not like each other at all. But the show was still great. Because you know what? When you're a professional, when you're really great at what you do, you find a way to get it done with people that you don't like. I'm sure that many of you who work and in, in positions where you have to work with other people have had to work with people that you aren't quite fond of, but you still get the job done. Or maybe you're fine with them. Y'all cool. And y'all have a disagreement and it causes problems. And eventually y'all get over it. Y'all squash the beef and y'all are fine. 
Like, it happens in workplaces, and it happens in sports, and it probably happens in sports a lot more than we think. I, I don't know if y'all watched the last dance from two years ago when it was running on ESPN, but I'll tell you this right now. I bet you none of those guys liked Michael Jordan when they was playing in Chicago. The thing they did like, though, was all the winning that they did when he was there. And if you can win championships the way that they were winning, you'll put up with the BS that you have to put up when it comes to playing with Michael Jordan. At the end of the day, you don't have to like your coworkers. You just got to make it work. And I think that they did a great job this year, this past season, in making it work. They may have had issues. They may have had problems with accountability and all that mess, but they squared it away and they were one half away from going to the Super Bowl. And maybe some of those issues reared their ugly head in that second half, or maybe it was just a half where things just didn't click. Things just didn't work out. But at the end of the day, they got very close to going to their third straight Super Bowl. And I think we're overblowing what Tyreek Hill had to say there. Coming up next, I tell you why you should be watching the Baseball Hall of Fame induction ceremony this Sunday. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Final few minutes here on Bink at Night. Christian Ocero, Grant Nicholson, closing up shop for the evening. Right now, uh, the American League is uh, still up 3-2 at the top of the fifth. Big Poppy is uh, just roaming around the American League dugout with the, with the microphone, just interviewing everybody, just shooting it with everybody. He was in there with Dusty Baker, just laughing it up he's having a time of his life they should just do this for every baseball game like seriously if they did this for every like nationally televised game on like espn or fox i'd watch every game just to see big poppy out there talking to all these guys i'd love it this is this is this right here is, is how you should do these broadcasts here they do i mean they don't do this exact thing but don't they do the in-game interviews with players though on a lot of those national broadcasts every now and but not like not like the same way like i know like they do it sometimes like there was a clip from like uh, a few days ago where david ross <laughs> he was uh he was being interviewed uh in the in the dugout and then there was a a, a call that he didn't like and he like threw his headset off and walked out there and got talked out the game like that stuff like that's cool. But like, I, I, I like this more. Where you just got someone roaming around the dugout with the microphone tall, or like, it'd be cool if they did that in like the bullpen and they just walked around talking to these guys. And, and like, uh, what do you do out here for three hours? Yeah. You're not you going to play. Doing? You pitched yeah, yesterday. Yeah. You pitched yesterday. You're not doing nothing today. Like I'd love that. That'd be interesting. I, I think that would be, that would make the baseball broadcast situation more fun. But, uh, This Sunday is the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame induction ceremony, 1230 Central Time, uh, and you should absolutely be watching. And the reason why is because our guy, John Buck O'Neill, is finally getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. And while it is a, a special moment if you're a Kansas City baseball fan, it's also a sad moment. Because if you remember back in 2006, Buck O'Neill should have gotten into the Hall of Fame back then. 
Absolutely should have. I remember they had cameras, local cameras, following him around uh, as they were. Uh, they had established a new committee, the early day committee uh, for the Hall of Fame, and everyone was sure he was going to be in the Hall of Fame. I remember Joe Posnanski, who used to write for the Star, was following him around. He was actually writing a book about that whole situation there. And the culmination of that book was supposed to be Buck O'Neill getting inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2006. And then he didn't. And it was a failure by Major League Baseball to not have that happen. And it was sad because then in October of that year, after he went out and did all he could to hype up, he toured all around the country hyping up those players, the 17 players that did get into the Hall of Fame. And all those guys had passed away, so he was their voice. He went out to the Hall of Fame ceremony and he did their induction speech there. And he had a great all-time induction speech. I wish I had the time to play it. It was just so amazing. And it was sad at the same time because he should have been the one of the people that was inducted there. And he wasn't. And I know that the Royals and the, and the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum have done everything they can to honor his legacy. But at the end of the day, he should have been in the Hall of Fame many years ago, 16 years ago, maybe even earlier than that, should have been in the Hall of Fame. And it's sad because two years later, after that happened, they named an award after him. Buck O'Neill Lifetime Achievement Award for the Hall of Fame. And they give it out every year. But they couldn't put him in the hall until 14 years after they made that award. In 2020, they announced, late 2020, that the Negro Leagues would be considered the major leagues as well. So statistics would carry over, and the players who played there would be considered major league players. In 2020, 12 years after they made that announcement that they were naming an award after probably the most notable name connected to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. And so while I think you should absolutely watch it, and you should absolutely be proud that your that the guy who has probably been connected so much with Kansas City baseball, the Kansas City sports scene in Buck O'Neill, you should absolutely be happy that he finally got in. Do not forget that it was an injustice that he didn't get in 16 years ago. I remember just reading that article that Joe Posnanski wrote after he didn't get in, and I just I felt so bad for him. Because like I said, I mean, Buck O'Neill was cool about it. He played it cool. I watched the the clip before I came on the air tonight, and, like, it was tragic, but he was so fine with it. And it was sad because we all know that he deserved that sort of uh, accolade. He deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. And the fact that he didn't get in when he should have got in, and then the fact that eight months later he passed away, and now 16 years later, they finally decide to honor his legacy is a travesty in that sport. And there's a lot of hypocrisy in that voting process. And I don't think we should ever forget that. I very much want everyone who's listening, everyone who who's a fan of sports, baseball in this city, make sure you pay your accolades by watching that and make sure that we honor Buck O'Neill's legacy because he deserves much more than he's gotten from Major League Baseball. Special thanks to Grant Nicholson for doing all the hard work tonight. Special thanks to you, the listener, for taking time out of your Tuesday evening to listen to us. My name is Chris Inocero, and this is Bink at Night here on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. 
This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.